I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 127 of Shades of Brown. And this week, this week we have a bunch of stuff. Uh, actually, we have a bunch of talk, talk about, thankfully, not. Thankfully, I didn't have to break out into a discussion of idol groups and idol gotcha games for two <laughs> yes, hours straight. We, yeah, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to hear just to talk about gotcha games in, on this podcast of i mean i mean listen we we could go into the various lore of love live <laughs> and lore. specifically suspe- specifically how the video games do not follow this fan-made timeline i found on reddit oh let's let's <laughs> let's not let's let's, let's i mean not i guess like it. speaking about fan-made timelines we found on reddit though let's talk about valorant <laughs> oh my god that's okay yes uh so let's let's set the set the stage i guess uh valorant is is the new uh First person shooter from, uh, Riot Games. Uh, it is currently in beta, right? Uh, and it is, uh, it is, well, I would describe it generously as a Counter Strike Go clone, uh, with some hero powers, uh, and a very weird art style. Uh, that, that's, that's my, my opinion on the visual, uh, and the mechanical design of the game. Uh, so, so what's the hot, Hot topic that we want to talk about with Valorant, right? The Valorant topic has blown up in a in a weird way. It's like I I don't know if it's just because this is a Riot game and it's very uh, high profile, or uh, because our Riot Games did this really weird blog post about it, uh, talking about their anti cheat system. So that's why we're here to talk about, right? Is is the is the the new anti cheat system that they're going to be implementing for Valorant, which is called Vanguard. So now, what's the problem with what's the problem that everybody has with with Vanguard is that it is it is as I think many other anti cheat systems uh, possibly uh, is that it runs a service in kernel mode. Uh, which means that it has access to a lot more things than a user mode application would, right? And I guess, like, specifically with a kernel mode, it's, it's about memory allocation, right? Where code that, like, in, like, Chrome or um, your favorite Electron app, right? Like, it runs where it's in a protected space, which means uh, tangibly, right, that if the app crashes, it doesn't take the system down with it. Whereas kernel mode... It, um, applications regardless of os this is the same for like windows mac os or linux right if uh, for in general if this valorant um anti-cheat crashes or like say has a memory issue where it starts leaking ram that can very easily take down the system yeah it could and uh so so the thing is it's it's about rings right the ring of privilege rings how os are designed right and like you have the the ring zero which is the kernel, and then you have ring one, which are the device drivers, and then you have ring two, which are more device drivers, uh, and ring three is where the applications live, right? And so this this drive this uh this anti cheat uh, demon is sitting in the in the the ring zero uh space, which which so so the, there's a, there's a blog post by somebody who uh does work on like like a security uh, security consultant and who does work for anti cheat companies right and they they wrote a blog post explaining like why why like why something like this would would be in kernel mode right and why because it because it is in kernel mode because the the cheats that they have to protect against also become kernel mode applications so like if if the anti cheat system does not look in kernel memory or is not monitoring kernel memory and the the hack that you're trying to protect against is sitting in kernel memory, you have no visibility on it. So it's like you essentially cannot effectively work against that sort of a sort of cheat or hack without being in kernel mode yourself. So it's like essentially you the the game is that the hackers don't care about running in kernel mode versus running in uh, uh, user space. So so they, the, the people who have to protect against these also have to run their applications in kernel mode to protect against the people who run the cheats, right? So it is essentially, that's like the gist of it. And there's also the other thing about why why this, uh, why this service starts on boot, 
like why is why is this riot service starting on boot when the game isn't even running um it is mostly to like it says mostly to ensure a system uh, integrity right like to see if the uh program is like i i don't i don't know if it needs to start on boot to be honest this is the one thing i don't believe it needs to do like i don't see what it really gets out of uh starting on boot like is is this do they think that the some some hack uh Cheat anti uh, some cheat application will like modify the uh the anti cheat to like not work properly if it's not started on boot. Is that what they're worried about? Like I I I don't know. Uh, and the the last question, last thing about this is the obviously the thing about being in kernel mode is you have access to all this stuff, but also it doesn't really give you more. Yeah, you can crash the system, but you can't like you can't you, you don't really have more data access than you do if you run in user space in Windows. Uh like if you're running in Windows user space in Windows, you probably have access to the user's files, right? And you ha- you can you can yeah, you can steal like maybe like Google Chrome uh passwords in, in, that are saved in the local database, right? Like you probably can access the local registry. Well well for Windows 10 specifically, right? The only difference between say running in user mode, running in kernel mode and this is a hypothetical because you'd never write a cheat software's UWP app, right? Because that doesn't make sense. But when you're in kernel mode, you're able to view into containers, right? For UWP, because user land UWP apps, even a Win32 app can't break into it because it runs in a sandbox. Whereas kernel, you get higher ele- elevations, higher permissions. So theoretically, you could pop into the UWP sandbox in kernel mode. Not that you need to, because you're not you're not making like a. a a UWP cheat app that, but like theoretically though, that's that'd be the main difference between those two spaces, right? And it's and this is and people are like, why should Riot get to run an application in kernel mode, and why should we trust uh, Riot to run this application? And now this is this is the question: is well, the answer is you shouldn't, right? Like it's a- sh- okay. Uh, let's let's get into that. So like there is like, do you like it is essentially you trust riot to run an application on your system or you do not like it, i like the difference between the kernel mode and the user mode application is i like i don't know if it's like a significant like difference between riot running an attitude in user space versus them running it in kernel space like i well i feel like it's a different of, of feeling right because it's the same thing where if we look at telemetry in windows 10 right it's Microsoft likely actually isn't grabbing like nefarious data, right? They're likely only grabbing like monitoring metrics. However, the fact that you can't turn it off and you can only reduce it and they always like make it very easy to get re-enabled to be full metrics being sent. And th- and you can see if you look at your network, right, that data is being continuously sent without you doing anything. It just gives you that icky feeling, right? Whereas if I'm running an app in, in kernel mode, it's the same thing, right? It's sort of like, it's like with this Mac, right? And these Razor drivers, like I have to load a kernel extension to turn on RGB on this keyboard. And it's sort of like, I feel like I shouldn't have to do that, right? It's like gross that I have to give Razor this much access, even if they're not doing anything nefarious, right? Because I imagine Razor's too incompetent to do anything nefarious <laughs> on this machine. But at the same time, it's it's just like, why why do you need this access? And that's and that's the question. And it's it it's... You're right. It's it's you you either trust right or not. I mean, I guess there's like a different there's a different space though, right? Where it's I don't think there is. I think I mean to yeah you uh, the, to your point of it being a perception thing and it sort of blowing up as as a thing, and I think Reddit gets a little. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna put it politely. Reddit gets a little over excited about certain topics when it comes to video games. Uh, but like this is not like I'm like not to like make it sound like it's not a thing to be concerned about but this is not new like 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 anti-cheat running in kernel mode is not a new thing like there is the, even in the Ars Technica article that talks about this there's an example of BattleEye which is a pretty popular uh anti third party anti-cheat tool which uses like games like Fortnite and Ark Survival Evolved use and it's like a, it's like kernel based uh so it's like it's not a new thing to be running anti cheat in kernel mode on on windows because you have to do it uh to protect against certain variants of cheats so like i get the concerns i get that you you might not want a riot uh to you don't trust right to write good code or code that is secure or not vulnerable to being hijacked by other things like i get it but like it is not like if if there is 
if I think the thing is because this is so high profile, I like I I don't know if Riot is if Riot might be fine. Like Riot might be running writing code that is fine, but it might be vulnerable to certain like injection vulnerabilities. But like. Well, it's always it's always like a chain, though, right? When it comes to these sort of exploits, right? Let's say, let's say, for example, he's in a vacuum. In a vacuum, I don't actually. I think maybe like Riot probably has good code standards. And in a vacuum, a PC running only Valorant, right, probably is pretty good in terms of security. But let's let's extrapolate this more, right? To what what is what does a regular like Twitch streamer gamer have on their Windows computer, right? If you got Razer if you got Razer devices using their god awful app, if you have another like Corsair device, you need an interface for that RGB setup. And all of those are custom drivers that run in kernel space, right? So the more you stack up, the more like it just becomes a mess of various bits that that sort of break the integrity of your system. And I think that's at least in my perspective, that's sort of the larger issue. And this is like why, like, say, like Apple, right, has been like, hey, all these kernel side stuff, we're just not going to let you run them because given one individual kernel extension, right, one individual kernel space application likely isn't an issue in a vacuum. But given a whole bunch of applications requesting elevated permission, you, you start the attack surface just grows larger and larger the more user ends up using the device. That's that 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 is that is correct. Yes, it's it, it does make you more vulnerable right it increases yeah like your attack surface like and the other thing is like like yeah it can crash like what if like there's a vulnerability in another driver that allows them to use the riot driver to exploit right so it's like i there is there is it increases the attack surface that's that's a thing i i don't know if it is like the biggest concern because it, it feels almost um it's it feels a little overblown. Like it feels like a Tempest and Teacup because it like, it feels like this is not a new thing. And if you're worried about stuff running in kernel mode on windows, Oh boy, you're, you're in for a surprise uh, because a lot of the, if, like if you're worried about things running in kernel mode at this point, just go buy a MacBook, right? <laughs> or honestly start using Linux. Cause I don't, I think like it's pretty. I think there's some Linux stuff that runs in it, but I don't think like most consumer stuff like for Linux, right? Like web browsers that people use. No, no, no. most Linux applications are in user mode, uh, and like a very few things need to run in Linux's kernel mode, like as a kernel extension or a kernel uh, module. Uh, but like, yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's a reason most things aren't kernel modules because that's not a space that's a, a difficult space to be in because you could yeah, crash the kernel uh which is not good uh like i i'm not going to be playing valorant i don't care to play something like valorant so it's not like i'm going to be making this making the trust decision myself but but i mean honestly though right if you look at it it's at the end of the day, Win32 is a legacy API anyway, so who knows? Give it a couple years and everything will be UWP, right? And then when it's UWP, because everything's in a sandbox, actually, I wonder, I wonder, like, can you even do like cheating in a UWP app? Because I guess, well, I guess you could do like those X input devices, right? That sort of like control that are USB devices, but you'd have to break the sandbox, right? Maybe you write something in kernel mode, you can do it. Uh, I don't know. Well, here's the play then. Microsoft disables kernel mode at uh, entirely and then makes Windows UWP only. Yeah, I mean, that will also break this uh, attitude because it'll, it'll stop working. Uh, so, so the thing is, the other thing with Valorant, right, we, uh, alongside this uh, whole Vanguard anti-cheat thing is the thing about how you're going to get into the beta, which is by watching, by watching Twitch streamers play the game uh, for I think a few hours, and then you get put in the beta pool to get a we get a you get an email, right? Uh, and I I am just like like this is like this you know what we know what this is this 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 is every every AAA company is going to do this though. Like now that Riot has done it, every fucking AAA video every every AAA company that is going to do like this uh, like a shooter like this they're going to be like okay we're going to we're going to we're going to do this thing with Twitch where you watch like a certain uh, amount of uh, streams for a certain amount of hours and you get uh, a beta uh, invite because now that Riot has done it and it's a very easy and way to get a lot of viewers for your game because streamers are incentivized to stream it because they will get more viewers and viewers are incentivized to watch it because they want to get, get into the beta, right? So it is like, it's like a double win. So it's like, 
it's it it is creates this incentive for streamers to play Valorant when even when they might not want to. So it's like I I'm not like it's just another AAA marketing thing. So I'm not like overly bothered by it. Like it is fine. Like if they want to do this, like sure. Uh, are you bothered by this? Like I don't know if there is like a. I mean. I mean, what bothers me more about Valorant, and I, we we do need to mention it, just um, as factual, Riot is sexist, Riot has poor working conditions, and they never released a debut album for KDA, so fuck them. Just that we need to just, that needs to be put on the table. Besides the fact that they they don't want to live in my containerized sandbox app future that I only dream of. Besides that, putting that to the side, it's just fuck Riot in general. But I I mean, this is clever marketing. Yeah, it's it clever is marketing. very clever. I, when however, I first however, like. It's gonna. This would work for certain games, but if every game starts doing this, the marketing strategy is just gonna fail, right? Like this. This is like a cup. It'll work a couple times, and then afterwards, it's not. It's not gonna be worthwhile as a marketing strategy. And I don't know if it. Uh, it actually uh, weeds toxicity out because uh, as the uh, our starting article talks about, is like does it change player mentality coming into a beta uh, on an online game? I don't. I don't think it does. Uh, I don't think you're going to weed, I don't see how it's going to weed toxicity out because toxicity doesn't come from, toxicity comes from like a team game where certain players have certain roles and certain, if you, if you're bad at the game, then you, you're letting down your team and then it creates a toxic environment. Uh, the toxicity comes from all sorts of uh, stuff and a riot game is already, this game is already toxic. Uh, there is nothing. To say about that, because I've already heard enough stories about Valorant being toxic to know that it is, it's, 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 it's not gonna solve the problem by gamers being bad. Exactly. Like, if you have like the, the top three, um, Twitch drama of the week streamers, right? The games they stream are always, it's either Overwatch, League of Legends, or Minecraft. Those are the three games every time there's like a new Twitch drama that someone was streaming when they like, you know, said the N word or they just like, made like a uh, like a sexual assault joke right or they went full like went full lolly right like all of that that's always those are the top three games that people are likely playing whenever whenever the twitch drama of the week happens yeah it's it's almost like it's almost like you, people are gonna be bad regardless of how you introduce them to the game i guess like it's just people are bad uh it's not that i mean games can like obviously like a team-based game with with roles will affect how people think and how people behave in terms of toxicity but like some people are just gonna be shit uh heads online maybe maybe we need to like name and shame them like uh the korean overwatch team oh game. right like there was a, there was a korean uh, there was a, a huge band wave of uh they go those are banned a bunch of accounts for cheating there was a new band wave and on the korean uh, uh korean blizzard forums they they named and shamed all the accounts so you know just so, which is which is beautiful which is which is like you know uh, shame the people who are cheating in your game and uh maybe maybe they will be too ashamed to do it again maybe not people who cheat in in uh, an online game is uh they're not ashamed of it although actually i have a question before we move on so valve's anti-cheat bac or whatever it's called does that run do you know if that runs as a kernel i do not know how it runs uh it's called uh vac right VA, VAC. VAC, yeah, VAC, yeah. valve anti-cheat um i do not know if it runs in kernel mode or user mode i, I actually do not know uh that's a good question actually if anybody knows uh how vac works uh let us know uh also as well for the linux gamers out there how does anti-cheat work there that's a genuine question i'm interested in uh, i would i would assume it runs as a user space thing if it does run uh then it's a user i mean does linux like actually have like anti-cheat as a solution oh easy anti-cheat runs on linux interesting did not which uh, Halo Master Chief Collection, which is something I learned today, uses this. Yes, uh, Halo Master Chief Collection does use easy anti-cheat. And there is also ba- something called BattleEye, which I mentioned earlier, which uh, some games use, like Fortnite and PlanetSide 2 uses BattleEye, I believe, as well. Uh, so, like, anti-cheat measures have been around, like easy anti-cheat, uh, BattleEye... There are others like there used to be like something called Punk Buster. I don't know if Punk Buster is a thing anymore, but like uh, that used to be a thing. Uh, so that's that's Valorant. Uh, it's I I'm I'm like I'm not going to talk about the gameplay because I have not played it and I'm not planning on playing it. So that's that's going to stay on that. Uh, let's talk about another video game, 
and this time uh, to go from one toxic community to another let's turn on rtx let's <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about uh, the Minecraft RTX beta, which came out this week, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, firstly, we have to mention system requirements. All right, so this is from the official, the official Mojang page on on the system requirements. All right, so what you're going to need is so step one is you're going to need at least Windows 10 64 bit. So all of y'all using 32 bit OSs, you know it's 2020. Why? Why? Um, secondly, you're going to at least need a GeForce RTX 2060. This will not run on non-Turing cards, which is actually a, a interesting because NVIDIA has allowed for RTX to run on older cards, right? It's obviously not hardware accelerated, but they have said for like 1080 Ti's, like if you want to hurt yourself, like by all means do it. But there, there's a hard cap on this for only actual Turing cards to yeah, run it. Yeah, so they, they really want the performance to be... You at least good. need a um, Intel Core i5, cool, 8 gigs of RAM, you know, GeForce ready game driver, and... So, Sadly, sadly, VR and Windows Phone are not supported. <laughs> it was just, why would like, I, mean, I, I mean, we were speculating that because there's a version of Minecraft on Windows Phone still that it they have to mention it for somebody who was like, hey, we should mention that it's not supported on Windows Phone uh, <laughs> because that's a thing. Uh, but yeah, so I have been uh, playing this. I've been trying this out. I have a... I have a 2080 Ti, uh, so it's it has RTX. So I've been trying this out. First, when I launched it on on like on the day it came out, I for, I forgot to install the the GeForce uh, game ready drivers for this, uh, and it still works. But like the performance is not great because it like the the upscaling is, is just like a fallback uh, upscaling method. All right, because this, we, we should mention, it also supports DLSS fully now. And that driver brought full DLSS support for um, for Minecraft RTX. Yes, yes, there is there is full DLSS. And so if you install the game-ready driver, it allows you to, like, it enables DLSS for this game, which makes it run much better. And, like, you get better frame rates overall. Because uh, it's a significant performance. Because if you're on, like, a 2080 Ti, it will go from, like, 144 plus frames with no RTX on to, like, 30-ish at 4K. Like, it is a third of the performance if you have full RT on. And it's, like... I've been... I've been... Uh, like, there's a few demos in the... Uh, in the, like, in the... like the, I guess the temp... The map store... Map gallery or whatever it is in Minecraft, right? Uh, you can, like, download these RTX... There's, like, they, there's been... They have these specific maps that show off various... RTX features, right? There's one that is that shows like light shadows and like uh, reflections and stuff, which is the one I would say if you want to try it out, try that one first and see like see all the various demos that they have and see how the light. It is just I I don't know how to say this without like like telling people to go if you if you can do if you can get it uh, if you have an RTX card uh, then try it out and if you cannot you don't have an RTX card go watch the. Uh, Go watch the Digital Foundry video on it. They they do uh, they do a very good job of showing all the various uh, like light effects and the the way reflections happen, way light moves and disperses, right? Uh, and like all the really cool real time uh, light like path tracing effects, right? He's uh, like with with control, right? When control had RT on it. You could see there's differences, but it was always a slight difference, right? Whereas in a game like Minecraft, as soon as you turn on RT, you're like, this is this looks so much better. And it's so obvious how ray tracing like makes this game just feel and look great. Very yeah, it it feels more like it's more fleshed out and like the way the light uh changes like time of day and how the colors uh like you can like colors interact with each other and you can like use you can do cool, really cool shit with uh, like how refraction works, like through various materials, like how through glass. There's different kinds of glass that you can shine the light through the glass, and it'll change how the light uh, like comes on the surface, like which is in real time, which is really fucking cool. And like I like the um, what was the effect they did in Digital Foundry, the pinhole one? What was that called? Was yeah, the- that was called the camera obscura effect, which uh, with the with the, with the pinhole, right? You 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 shine a light through a, a small hole and it goes into the other room and they were able to do it and it was so fucking cool like that was one of the coolest things that they did with the demo and honestly like this is one of the like rtx is like it, it's been a long time since i've been impressed with something like visually uh like a visual tech thing a new visual tech thing that's like it's genuinely the most impressive shit because it just 
it's just so cool to have like li- like lighting be so dynamic uh, and be real time uh, and re- react to uh, changing con- like changing daylight and, and nighttime conditions. Like imagine what this could do for other games, right? Uh, like like uh, even even non AAA games, but like even like. Triple A games can do a lot of things with these. Like it's gonna be incredible. Like imagine, imagine like if Halo had it, right? Because Halo's use like a lot of neon lights in in corridors, right? But, like that sort of light bounce, it just makes it seem seem far more alive. Oh, it could, it could. Oh, that would be interesting if, if there was like ray tracing in a Halo game. That would or be... piece like a game actually like Overwatch because right now Overwatch has a very weak lighting system. Like oh, if you look at it, it's it's it because it's it's meant more for right for like visibility rather than to look pretty. I feel like the and they and they lean more towards having a lighting system that's light on system resources, right? Because it's a competitive game, but the lighting system in Overwatch isn't really dynamic, right? Like most of the lights on a map are baked. No, no, I mean most games are not dynamic, so it's like using like light maps, right, or whatever they're called. Uh, like they're not like most games are not dynamic. That's the whole point, right? Like this is like not dynamic. Like this is dynamic. Like this, the way the lighting is generated and like how it is, uh, changes is, is dynamic completely. But like most games don't, I don't think most games need dynamic lighting like this, uh, real time path tracing. But, but even if you had like a game like Overwatch, right? Where everything's fixed lights, it's like fixed lights points, right? You maybe have like a sun that's set at a fixed point for each map. What it does though is that. The way light will now intermix with the the payload, right? When moving it or characters, it becomes far more realistic, right? Where you have like real, you have like real time shadows in that from. I mean, yes, but it is also far more expensive right now. Like, to, like it's it's very expensive still to do these on even on a twenty eighty Ti. It's very expensive to do these, right? Well, yeah, this is like saying it's like future stuff, right? Like, obviously, like it wouldn't make sense now, but like when RDNA two and next gen Turing comes out, whatever the next gen Nvidia tech is, ray tracing likely be far cheaper to do on those cards. Be the second gen tech. Yeah, right now it's still very expensive. Even in games that uh, games like even if you have RTX GPU, uh, even the highest end RTX GPUs uh, like struggles. Uh, not struggles, but it's it's very expensive. Uh, it, like if you turn it on and control, you're gonna see a significant performance uh, dip. So like it's. Yeah, it's still expensive right now. It's still first generation technology, right? Uh, and so I'm gonna, like, people have asked me, like, is it worth it to get an RTX GPU for this right now? No, it's not. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's probably not worth it to buy a new graphics card right now, just in general, due to how prices are increasing due to, uh, supply chain constraints and all that. Yeah, probably just, yeah, just, yeah, just, just wait to the next generation of, uh, uh, NVIDIA cards where there's gonna be better, uh, improved RTX uh, and stuff like that. So, and also the next generation of cards too, right? They're going to support the new Direct um, DirectX uh, ray tracing API set. Right, right. So that there's also that. So I mean, this is pretty cool. If you're able to try it out, give it a try. It's at least worth like a little bit of just wandering around, like uh, seeing all the effects and uh, like doing cool glass stuff. Yeah, it's 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 very nice, uh, very shiny. Uh, it's worth a look, like. I I tried it and I was like very impressed, so I, I'm 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 okay with it. This the I'm, the first time I've been impressed in Minecraft uh, for for a while. Uh, so let's talk about phones. I guess we're moving from uh, we're moving actually from a very expensive set of tech to a very cheap set of tech or affordable. Um, maybe relatively cheap. Uh, cheap uh, tech. So uh, Apple this week uh, announced the new iPhone SE. Uh, for... Sorry, you need to get the correct name. It's iPhone SE parentheses second generation. Is that what it's really called? Yeah, that's is like that, the actual that... name. Like you know, how Apple Apple does that horrible thing where they don't like articles before any of their product names, right? So it's never like the blah. It's always. Blah, and it's, it's so silly. It's like iPhone SE two, right? This is what I'm gonna call it. Like I'm just gonna call it the iPhone SE two. Uh, Despite Tim Cook, let's call it the iPhone SE. Yeah, that's iPhone SE two. So they announced this uh, on this week, and it is um, it is essentially a four, it's a four point seven inch phone, right? Using the old design, right? The old design as in the one that has the the body of the iPhone eight, bo- body of the iPhone eight with the with the with the uh what is the-, the specs of the iphone 11 pro this has the the same processor the a13 bionic and uh, it is going to start at 400 us dollars in us dollars right uh for the 64 gig model 
Um, and as well, the camera, it's the same sensor as the iPhone 8. However, the image sensing processor, however, it's the same processor, though, f- as the iPhone 11. So even though it's the same camera module, the processing, sta- um, the processing stack is imp- going to be improved still because you're getting newer silicon. And you're also getting the smart HDR system from the iPhone 11 um, series of phones. And it's like that that uh, touch. It's, it has touch ID, right? Instead of face ID, right? Uh, is that that's the thing, right? It has the t- the button. Uh, it doesn't have a headphone jack, right? Like it doesn't have the yeah, it doesn't have a headphone jack, right? It's uh, it's still the lightning. And it does have wireless charging though, which is interesting at this price point because usually a lot of phones that hit this price point will dump wireless charging. It also has full IP um, IP sixty seven, I believe, water um, waterproofing. And um, it has uh, Wi Fi six, Bluetooth five. Uh, it has du- it has dual eSIM, like other uh, modern iPhones, right? Uh, which is which is good. Uh, also, has three gigs of RAM, and it has the same eighteen hundred milliamp hour battery size as the iPhone eight did. So. So are we thinking like I have, like Apple just sort of announced this and they sort of just they they killed the budget Android they, market. I I don't know. Like it may, Well, so did, by budget I think they, I think first things first we need to define price categories here. Because Mastodon got a little upset at me when I said this is probably like the best affordable phone you could buy. And so, I'm going to say a budget phone is 200 to 500 dollars and then a mid-range phone is 450 to like 700 dollars and then the galaxy s20 ultra drip class is like 750 800 plus that's that's how i'm gonna break these brackets out because in my own opinion if you are spending less than 200 dollars on a phone you are better off buying a used old phone than getting a new phone that cheap because the problem with these cheaper Android phones is that to hit those low price points, you get slow storage, you get you get shittily bin storage chips, right? You get screens with bad um, pixel layouts. Like because people were saying, "Oh, I can get this big OLED screen for like a hundred dollars," right? Well, what you're getting, you're going to get an OLED screen that's green or blue. You're not going to get like an actually good screen. You're going to get a dim screen that's blue and that has like a really gross pixel layout and everything's going to look all fuzzy and, and gross. Or you're going to get storage. Like, sure, maybe you, you might be able to get 200 gigs of a um, flash storage, right, for a $200 phone. But how long is that storage going to last you? You're likely going to get a Nexus 7 style storage that's going to shit out in a year and the device is going to slow to a crawl because it's not probably has like a D it's probably has no DRAM cache or anything like that on it. And those are those are always the important bits. And mind you, we're specifically talking about North America because if you look at India, if you look at China, you have brands like the Poco phone, you have Xiaomi, right? Well they'll actually take high quality components and they'll just sell them at cost for market share because they make most of their money on services. That's so this is specifically to North America. I don't claim to know much about Europe's market as well, or Asia's. So I'm not speaking for that. So specifically, like in the North American market, I would say like a $400 iPhone. That is what I would call upper, like upper tier budget. Which I mean by that is this phone on a payment plan is likely going to be like ten bucks, nine dollars, right? And if you have like a thirty dollar a month phone bill, that bumps it up ten dollars. And for a good for a fair amount of people who are even working like service jobs, right, that don't pay that much, a $40 a month phone bill is not expensive. That's an affordable, like, book fixed cost to have. Where a $400 phone is an affordable phone, right? And we also have to extrapolate this out over the lifespan of the phone. Because right now you're getting an A13 X Bionic, which means this phone at the bare minimum will be as supported as the $1,000 iPhone 11 Pro. Which means you are going to get five years of support. And with a, let's say you get like a Galaxy J, whatever phone, right? Today, you spend $200 on that phone. How long before the storage shits out? How long before your carrier starts supporting it? And how long do you have to replace it? Because of the build quality, maybe something breaks on the phone and no phone shop, right? If you walk into a repair shop, they're not going to have parts on hand. And because it's such a lower used phone, the repairs are likely to be more expensive due to, you know, how that scales. So it's, when I think about like an iPhone SE to recommend to someone, if I tell them, hey, you spend 400 right now, you get 64 gigs of storage, or you spend 450, you get 128. Like that's still under $500 for 128 gigs. It's more than enough for, for an iPhone. And so you tell someone that if they have this phone for five years, granted, if they put it in a case because glass screens and that, even if they have to replace it or the battery, the screen replacement for an iPhone 8 is super cheap. Uh, by cheap, I mean less than $100 with labor included. A battery replacement is probably like $50 with labor included for this phone because of how common the parts are and how much and how common the knowledge is to actually swap these out. 
this phone is easily going to last among those five years. And when you take that $400 and you set, and you spread it over those five years, it comes out cheaper than using a budget Android phone. And if we take inflation into account, the previous iPhone SE was $400 on launch. And with inflation on account, this phone's actually cheaper than that one was at cost when, when it launched. So like when, when I say that to defend myself from the people who got mad at me on Mastodon, like for, for people who don't listen to this podcast, because I, li- I imagine all of our listeners probably know how to root a phone, probably know how to make a cheap Android phone last very like last them a long time. This phone isn't for y'all. This is for like someone who isn't that proficient with technology in those ways, right? These are for regular folks. Someone just wants like a good cheap phone. I wouldn't feel bad telling them this phone, right? Whereas even if I told them to get like a Pixel 3a, it's like, well, Google only support it for two years. You get a good camera, but that processor is kind of not great. And the Pixel line battery life's a little uh, on there, right? Like there's always caveats. What with this one? You have like a good, you have, you have a serviceable camera. The, they haven't started shipping yet, so we don't have like actual samples. But if you have iPhone 8 with better processing, I owned an iPhone 8 for two years. I know what the camera's like on that. That's fine for most people. The battery life, the iPhone 8 battery was great when I had it. And I imagine with a more power efficient processor, it'll probably be as good or better than that phone. And that's good enough for most people. The, the, a lot of the press has been kind of like going wild over this phone piece. When you look at it, the only negatives are, oh, it has a bezel, right? And the screen's like, and the, yeah, like that's, that's it. That's it, right? Like it's the only thing that's the negative is the, is there's the bezel. Like that, that's not even a negative. Like I don't think that's, that's even a negative because it's, it's just a bezel. Like it's not, it's, I mean, I know bezels are out of fashion right now, but like that's not even a real problem. Like, and some people might prefer to have something to hold on to when you're playing your your love live games, right? Like it's actually really hard when your palms gripping it to hit those notes on like one of these on the on these at screenless phones or bezelless phones. Oh, <laughs> uh, Trust is going to get one of these to play love live. That's that's what's I'm I, I'm not going to get an iPhone SE to play love live on. Actually, I could re-roll for a different stat roll, use a different account for it. Oh, oh my shit. god! Uh, ooh, no, I could train no. It. Ooh, ooh. Mm. that's th- th- that's a nah, that's a blog post nah. idea. <laughs> nah. So so this is this phone is basically like it's. It's it hitting the right price point. It has the right features, right processors, right everything. Even the bezel thing is just yeah, whatever. It's a bezel. Um, so it's like it's basically like it's like the phone you recommend to basically anybody. Like I like unless you want to spend more and get like iPhone 11 Pro for some reason, right? Or iPhone Seven, right? The iPhone Seven is pretty good too for the seven hundred dollar price point. Cause it's just like it's. Like yes, you can you could get an Android phone with more, but for how long? It's always like how how long will that Android phone be good for? And I I just think that for people who are once again not our audience because I'm aware all of y'all know how to use Swappa. It could probably find like a really good like S9 or S10 or whatever right for like a hundred dollars, like almost brand new, and then you can ROM it and make it run super well and debloat it of everything and get custom updates forever. And you can also do like the Google camera on there and get like a really good camera out of that hardware. But that puts you in like a minority of people. You are like you are at most right. The largest sample size is the daily readership of xdadevelopers.com for <laughs> for people who can do that. And when you extrapolate that over the population of at least you know North America, because it's mostly what we're talking about here in terms of price, it's like no. I would tell them just get the SE. It's going to work. Once again, iOS is probably more stable than Android is on these cheaper phones. Just just saying. Especially if Android Go, right? A lot of these cheaper phones have the lightweight version of Android, and you're getting a full-fledged version of iOS. You're not getting software that's compromised because Android Go is feature limited for for these cheaper phones. And you also get like creature comforts like wireless charging. Yeah, and it's like I'm looking at the pricing here in Canada, right? And I'm like, it's if you get like the 64 gig model. Wait, why is that? Why am I getting the Apple website in? Come on, Apple. Uh, so like it, it's it is starts at five ninety nine Canadian, right? So by the time, how does that compare though in like purchasing power though? I don't know. Like, how does it work for like Canada? I mean, our currency is weaker right now. So I mean, our currency oh. has been weaker for a while. But uh, with without Apple Care, it is five ninety nine without tax for the sixty four gig model. Right, and if you if you add Apple Care on it, that's uh, like one hundred nineteen dollars, which puts it at at uh, seven hundred and eighteen dollars without taxes. Which 
I think it, it's it's fine because if you get like an iPhone 11 Pro, that's like near that's like two thousand dollars. So like the scale is different here, I guess, uh, specifically in Canada, right? So like if, if I'm if I'm here and I'm gonna go price out an iPhone 11 Pro, right? Let me go. Let me go do this. Uh, Apple's gonna think I'm buying like a billion iPhones. Uh, so 11 Pro, 11 Pro, like starts at one thousand three hundred and seventy nine Canadian, right? And if you that's with the 64 gig model without Apple Care and without taxes. So if you add Apple Care to the a uh, base uh, 11 Pro 64 gig model, it comes out to 1,628 without taxes. So for the for the SE to be like 718 dollars without taxes is fine. Uh, it's 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 it seems. And if you if you view right. it another way, right, where it's sort of like you have this phone for like 400 dollars in the US, right, and then. $600 where it gets you 11 Pro, but what is that? What do you really get with that 600, right? And that's why I feel like when it, when when people are just looking about it, everything about it just makes is making most of us just be like that's not bad. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, it's fine. It's uh, and obviously in Canada people most people are not buying these phones uh full priced outright, right? Like they are not buying these. They're buying these on contracts uh on two-year contracts here. Uh, so they are not going to be paying uh, $718 up front. So yeah. And you also get like the, the customer support access of it as well. Right. Because Samsung customer support still in the U S pales very much in comparison to how Apple's is. Because even if you don't live like an Apple store, right? Like they're, they have like chat services and phone lines that are pretty, pretty good. And they also have like a bunch of good documentation that isn't super technical. Whereas, like, if you buy Samsung Galaxy J420 phone, like, I don't... Like, really, what's the support story look like for that? Oh, J420. Yeah, that's that's another thing is is a support. And, like, I think AppleCare thing is not... I Like, I know AppleCare is, like... I feel like AppleCare is almost, like, an included cost if you're buying the phone outright. I feel like if you're buying... Well, you can also pay for it monthly. That's what actually I do for the 11 Pro. It's I don't think it's monthly here. You cannot buy AppleCare monthly here, I think. I'm pretty sure you can. Uh, so in the U.S., though, for, like, 10 bucks a month, you can get AppleCare monthly, and it's indefinite. Oh, I think maybe you can. Maybe, maybe it's after you buy the two-year thing that you can buy it monthly. I don't know, but, like, right now... Well, so over here, it's, it's an option. When So when I went to, like, when I bought the phone, right, and I opened these... Apple support app where it actually where you sign up for Apple Care. There's three options: it's pay for two years or pay for it monthly, where you could just go ahead and pay for. Yeah, right. Like when when I look at the Apple Care coverage, the only option is for the two year uh, cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might just be a US thing. Yeah, then. it might just be a US thing. Uh, and yeah, like on the uh, the Apple Care Plus on the on the iPhone SE is 119 Canadian, so like that's for two years. And I don't think. That's a bad, like, if you're buying this outright and you're paying the Apple Care Plus, if you're going to keep this phone for a, for a while, like, I don't see that as a, like, a problematic cost. Uh, I feel like that's just, I feel like insurance uh, at that point. Yeah. And, and in terms of, like, even if it's four years long, right, you don't have Apple Care anymore because I, we, because the last SE, right, lasted four to five years. That means that there's going to be parts in circulation for repair shops for years to come on this phone, anyways. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, Apple authorized resellers, and like, so it's a four year schedule. Like, and there is a daring fireball article on the on the the quadrennial. How do you quadrennial? I can't say that quadrennial. Quadrennial. Oh, that's a bad word. Bad <laughs> English is bad. Uh, so a four year cycle. I'm just going to call it a four year cycle. Uh, so it's like a four year cycle now, uh, which sounds about right for these right like these these like what are you gonna do like you can't release these every year like what are you gonna do every year like are you gonna just bump up the processor every year like i i i don't know what what's what's the what's what's the verdict the overall verdict is just like this is the phone to recommend this is the iphone to recommend if you uh want the cheapest iphone possible right and you still want an iphone right and you want the cheapest iphone available which is this one now uh honestly i feel like it's like we said before right when i think we were um back when like we were back prior episode we were talking about what was the android exploits we just like if you want a cheap phone just get like the old iphone se this is like the now de facto one right like when people if people ask me like what phone should i get i don't want to spend that much money i'd be like okay get this phone it's gonna last you for five years and then if someone's like oh i don't like iphones or i want an android i'm like okay let's look at the pixel line of the three whatever the 4a or whatever yeah yeah so so if yeah so if you like you can you can recommend this as a deep like as a as as like this 
if you have a budget of like four hundred to five hundred dollars, right? Uh, like, or like if if you like if you're like spent like if you're spending on a phone plan over in the U.S. or if you're on a two year contract, I don't know how how much uh like the contract is gonna go for over here. Uh, when you buy these, like, is it gonna be like a ninety nine dollar? Like we paid ninety nine dollars upfront for the contract, like uh like or like hundred and ninety nine. I don't know, but uh the the the, the carriers there don't have it yet, so I think it's gonna be a while before we see those pricing. Although if you think about it, there's a there's a tweet that I saw. Someone was like, "You could you can get this phone, a pair of AirPods, and an Apple Watch for cheaper than the base iPad Pro." I mean, yes, I guess. I mean, but the iPad Pro is a very uh, niche and specific product and well i feel like the point being right it's like it's it's weird it's weird to like say that you like apple we never used to like associate them with being like oh wow that's not that bad because like if you think about it like if you want like a cheap ipad that 300 ipad is a steal right like i think me and you have consistently said like that ipad at 300 like for a cheap computer like yeah like just get that we live in we live in strange times and Apple is mar- Apple is marketing this as like the cheap phone, which is an interesting choice, like interesting di- direction for Apple to go in. Uh, well, I think um, like right now with how um, how bad unemployment's starting to get in the over over here in North America, I think them being like, okay, um, we'll just say we have this a really affordable iPhone. It's gonna last you a while. It's gonna be fast enough. Like I feel like that's the right marketing play to have for it. Right call, yeah. I feel like I feel like that's the right call. Uh, so that's the iPhone uh, SE two, I guess, whatever we're calling it. Uh, I don't know what to call it. I the the Apple website just says iPhone SE, so I guess iPhone SE uh, parentheses early twenty twenty. <laughs> early twenty twenty. God, God, I hate I hate that naming model so much. Well, it's it's actually not that bad. It's actually less worse than calling it like. SE2 or like SE or SE second 20, generation second gen SE2 like when Apple, Apple used to like do like iPod touch second gen iPod touch third gen uh, stuff like that uh, but na- names are hard people uh, so yeah uh, so let's let's talk about uh, another phone I guess since we're talking about phones there was another phone that uh, had it came out I guess and the reviews uh, I guess the review embargo yeah, we, we have to never settle for this for this phone. No, never settle for this phone. Uh, you know, actually, they dropped it. They dropped the never settle uh, branding. OnePlus is now using fast and smooth as their mantra. You know, I I I would say fast and smooth is a better mantra, but also at the same time, it's it's not the most creative one. Uh, well, I mean, when you when you when you go from being a value brand to selling thousand dollar phones, you kind of. You kind of have to like tone it down a little bit. <laughs> you kind of have to tone tone the tone the the, the weird arrogance uh, down. Yeah, you can't be arrogant when you're selling a phone for like nine hundred dollars. It's true. So that's there's two phones, right? There's the OnePlus Eight and the OnePlus Eight Pro. Uh, so what is the Eight about? Like, I actually only read like the watch the review of the Eight Pro. I didn't watch the review for the Eight, but like the Eight is just like a it's a less good Eight Pro essentially. Like lower, lower. Um, I think believe the screen only goes to ninety hertz instead of one hundred and twenty hertz on the Pro. Has the same processor, has less RAM, right? Uh, it, so it's just like a step down. And the the overall sort of story with the OnePlus phones, the eight and the eight Pro, is OnePlus is finally giving people what they wanted, right? People have always been like, oh, there's no wireless charging. Oh, there's no IP rating. But the issue is OnePlus is now competing at iPhone and Samsung prices, right? Because this OnePlus 8, this is the same cost as an iPhone 7. And what 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 is the difference, right? The difference is technically you get a bigger screen and a higher refresh rate screen. It's 90 hertz versus 60 on the iPhone 11. But the iPhone 11 still has a better camera, has wireless charging, and is waterproof. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this one doesn't isn't waterproof, right? Uh, and no wireless charger. Like, I, I, I always feel like OnePlus went in this direction of becoming more premium over time. Like, like they used to be like, I remember when OnePlus was the first. The OnePlus is like, it's like $500, $400 for the phone. $500 phones. Like, I remember they were a little like sketchy as a company with, with their uh, phones and like their marketing was like. They've also had customer information exposed a couple times now, I believe. Never settle. For security vulnerabilities. Never settle for security vulnerabilities. Never settle for security vulnerabilities. <laughs> um, I remember when people used to be like, yeah, I have a OnePlus phone and it's, 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 it's so good. But like, you know, it has this one issue and i'm like 
Mm, I mean, I, like, I, like now OnePlus is competing at Samsung and Apple levels of pricing, and it's like, is this worth? Like, is this phone the phone to pay for? I think I guess uh, the question with Android phones is like, do you like the software stack that the vendor? deploys and i i think that's the saving grace for this phone because oneplus has their fork of android called oxygen os and the thing about oneplus is it's actually a mixed bag because oxygen os is faster than stock android gets updated super quickly to newest feature releases of android but oneplus does not release con- monthly security updates month oneplus isn't isn't doing it they do it like one every cut one every couple months like one every two months or whatever you'll get a security update they're not doing the monthly patches they do however say when android 10 11 comes out they're pretty good about getting their all their phones onto the latest version so it's a little it's a little strange they don't do like the monthly patch tuesday stuff but they do upgrade their phones to the latest version so i guess it's like a choice you have to make right if getting monthly security updates is something that you value even though you're going to get the feature updates but their software stack is fast oxygen os is nice to use the oxygen os looks fine to me like i like the the, the os looks all right like it's it's fine like it's but their camera software is trash like there's always all a couple of the Android blogs, right? They're always like I think a line from one of the reviews I read was this phone's camera will probably be good when the Google camera app gets ported to it. <sighs> like, um what's what's the issue with the camera? It does bad in dim lighting. Like uh It's a serviceable camera, but it it does bad for the price, right? If you're if you're at seven hundred dollars, you're at a thousand dollars. We're comparing you now to the iPhone eleven, the S twenty S twenty Ultra, the Pixel four, and the iPhone eleven Pro. And the OnePlus camera is not as good as any of those, and their video is just horrible. Like Android phones in general, most of them tend to not have do not have great video performance, and the OnePlus isn't even competing with um with the video capture. I like I'm looking at this. It's like, why would you get this instead of a Samsung phone? Like, what's what's? I mean, updates, the- and also Samsung's bullshit. Like, and there's actually that. That's why, like, I feel like my stack of recommending Android phones to people are. Pixel first, asterisk, asterisk, do you care about battery life? Then a OnePlus phone, if you don't care about the camera. And then um, if you want to drip the S20 Ultra, but only if you like wasting money. And then at that point, I'd be like, just get an iPhone. <laughs> yes, yeah, like if you're wasting, if you're, if you're going to spend $2,000, just just get get the iPhone 11 Pro. What are you even doing? Um, Ooh, that's, but, that's a spicy one. Please, if you want to at Sadik about that, um, at Pack Account at 10 forward. I, I, my take is if you, the, the real drip is the iPhone 11 Pro. Uh, the S20 Ultra is, is what I call fake gold. You know, it's just, it just looks pretty. And it's expensive, but you know it's uh, it's not it's not worth it. So just although I think there is a conversation to be had here with how Qualcomm's just hurting the Android market in general, right? Because part of the reason part of the reason that this phone is as expensive as it is is because Qualcomm's forcing everyone to use five G. If you want the flagship processor, you have to put in a separate five G modem, which means prices go up, phone sizes go up because it's not integrated on the SoC, and costs go up also because of battery right you have to put in a bigger battery to account for this extra part that you now have in the phone so it's it's uh it's a 45 for 4510 um hour battery uh it has pretty decent battery life from what i've seen for the reviews right like it's fine like the 7 pro uh the wireless charger they have a weird they have a custom 30 watt wireless charger Uh, which i mean sure i mean if you're gonna do the wireless charging might as well, you know, go. Fa- it has a fan in it, <laughs> which is like the most. I <laughs> so I mean, it's actually not that wild. My wireless charger has a fan in it because mine can do the ten watt. It gets hot, right? Well, it's it's not to get. It's actually not for the charger getting hot. It's to take heat away from the phone, right? Yeah, yeah the phone, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm about to say. The phone gets hot, but to be honest, I am not a big fan of wireless charging anyway. So like, it's I'm not like in my opinion on it. It's just I don't like wireless charging in general. Uh, but, also, these phones have that horrible teardrop display where the edges of the display tail off the side of it. Look in the middle of the OnePlus 8 Pro. See, like the line shines on that widget. It's just not good. You know, that's that one is just, um, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a big problem with it, but because I would have to actually use one of these phones in person to see how I feel about it because I haven't used one of these phones with those kind of displays. Well, it's, not the, it's not the look, right? It's also how good's their palm rejection. 
because every time you hold that phone, there's always a touch on the side of that display. So how good are they at, at rejecting those fu- fake touches? Mm, that's true. That's true. And it's probably hard to play Love Live on these, right? Because like, there's uh, this. That's the new. That's the new reviews. Uh, like uh, actually, it would be hard piece. So Love Live's a Love Live uses the full screen for important information during your match right and think about it it parts that screen's tailing off to the edges of the display when you're holding it in a landscape you'll be able to see all of the very important doki doki information so that actually this phone fails the love live idol school festival all stars gotcha game test <laughs> or abbreviated the l l s i f a s d d t yeah, that's such a god. God, that's the new benchmark. That's the new benchmark we're setting. It's it's that you are you able to play Love Live on it? Is that's the benchmark? Oh god. So for this case, the Windows Phone fails that test, unfortunately. <laughs> Rest in peace. So it's like I, I'm, I'm like I was just like, yeah, this is fine. I would the only reason I would get this over Samsung phone is the SD OS thing is because i don't like samsung's software nonsense so that would be the reason to get it like that's the only reason i can reasonably like see also another another cost right would be like support because you can't take a oneplus phone to a repair shop to get it fixed this has to be rma to china if something breaks on the phone oh right that's the other thing right right and if you get a samsung phone you could probably like get it repaired at, like at, at your can go to your carrier store and get it repaired right the other thing you can't buy this at your carrier store it's, well in it's, the us you online. can but i don't know about it's canada on, it's, it's online only right it's online it says it's online only right uh, oh i oh because i remember there's one plus oh so i guess one plus isn't doing carrier deals this time no 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 it's it's uh wait 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 eight, the eight is the but the eight pro isn't i think see the eight is available at verizon and t-mobile but the eight pro is online only uh so if you want the better phone you can't get it at the carrier store which is an interesting uh interesting differentiation uh but that's also some of the reviews are also saying that these displays might be a little bit um lower binned because there's some black crush issues and some like uniformity issues with them because when it comes to oled right and high refresh rate ones samsung is likely the first customer to get the best displays or apple as well apple and that's Samsung. that's true i mean they they make their own displays so they probably would prioritize their own uh, phones for the good ones uh and like also like the 120 hertz thing is it like a big deal. Like the 120 hertz thing, I like I don't know because I haven't used a display with 120. I mean, I have a desktop the, display. What I've, I've played around with a couple. I played around with the Pixel with it and I've, I've carrier stores. And from what I've seen and what I've read and heard and like the general consensus is that 90 is really what matters. Jumping from 60 to 90 is nice. And then 90 to 120, you kind of can't really tell. Because these... The, the good phones, not all phones do this, but iPhones and other phones do it. They sample at a far higher refresh rate than they display at, right? Like they'll sample at 300 hertz touch input. And then they'll only display at 60 because you're sampling from that. That means every time that you're updating the screen, right, with a touch input or you're moving something, it's more true to where that your finger's actually moving. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. Uh, so, like, yeah, like I was like, is it worth the hit on battery for to, for display to display at? 120 hertz this is, this is my real question actually is that is that worth the battery life uh, and like and the OnePlus 8 Pro actually can display at the full res at 120 hertz which really kills the battery according to the review uh, and you can like run it at 1080p and then 120 which is which does does better for it I'm just like just yeah that's whatever um, what else is there anything else to talk about before we wrap this up I mean like the the issue with the OnePlus phones is like, yeah, we can recommend them, but this is an enthusiast phone. They don't, they don't push it at hard into like actual consumer channels. Because no one, no one buys a phone online except for nerds, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I guess okay. In a world where going to carrier stores is still allowed, no one bought phones online. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's also another thing. Right? Like, is like, is carrier stores like the carrier stores are closed? Probably right. Like, I hope they're closed. Well, um, in the US are open because they're kind of considered essential service. It's a little really. Strange. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I guess OnePlus is never settling for human contact at this point, right? Like, that's that was such a bad one. Oh my god! I just remembered. Speaking about prices and stuff, Apple is now selling wheels for the Mac Pro. They're <laughs> so seven hundred dollars. And I've been waiting all week to make this joke. 
Oh. Those wheels are really expensive. This podcast is canceled, folks. Um, this is the last episode of Shades of Bread because of that fucking joke. Oh, I thought of not... this on Monday as soon as they went live, and I've been keeping it in all week. I just want to let you know that. I'm so proud of myself. God, that's that's bad. All right, folks, as always, uh, you can find us on uh, com. The show notes are going to be there. We I fixed the fucking... RSS issue that was popping up in Overcast and other feed readers because of a little character that got inserted into one of the posts and it messed up the whole feed. I fixed it. Um, you can send us email about uh, OnePlus A uh, phones and my hot takes about iPhone 11 Pro. Actually, no. What I want you to send me is you specifically who's listening. You know who you are. Please send me tips on how to increase my stamina for my set of idols and Love Life School Festival All-Stars. I've gotten my star power pretty high, but I keep failing matches because my stamina is not high enough. And I need to know how to boost those stats on my on my idols. So please contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. Yep. Contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. Send all the hot Love Life tips. Uh... Uh, send, I guess, the cute anime girl pictures. I don't know what, what else are people going to send. Um, you, you can find me on the Fediverse at the Packet Forward.social and my website, sonicsafe.com. And so, so where do people find you on the internet? You can find me online at website, and you can defederate with me at chosefind.chitter.xyz. <laughs> uh, and with that, goodbye. Bye.